0: All right. Well, Mr. Mike Manning, I appreciate you uh, hopping on the show today and taking the time to do this. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, Good thanks thing? for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well.
0: Usually uh, with my intros, I do like, a, you might have recognized this guest from such and such a place, but I feel like in your case, if I would have said that, I might be doing you a little bit of a disservice because I feel like we've been seeing you everywhere these days.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Yeah. What, uh, what have you
0: been up to, uh, lately? I mean, more specifically, I like to ask my guests kind of how this uh, little bit of a pivot's been for them with, uh, the adjustments with whole 2020. I know from, uh, following you, I noticed that might've not been too bad because I think you just won an Emmy correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I'm not trying to discount what anybody went through in 2020 and it was tough to not see, you know, my friends and be able to travel to see my family um, my brother had a kid and my sister had a kid and it, it was five months till I could see them. Whereas typically I would have wanted to be there, you know, in the first couple weeks. Um, so, I mean, I know it was it was tough for everybody to be isolated. But uh, on the flip side, yeah, I, I kind of joke that like 2020 can just go away, but we can keep July because July is when I found out that I won an Emmy. Uh, and that was kind of that was really cool um the emmy was for a show called the bay uh it's like the show on amazon and Popstar that um i was on in season i was on in season four as an act uh, no season five as an actor and a producer and then i'm on in season six as an actor um but yeah we, we ended up winning best digital drama series for season five which was really cool and i thought that they had made a mistake i like in the whole the whole time i was like they had to make a mistake like this isn't me like I didn't win an Emmy, like what's going on. And I didn't believe it until it showed up at my house and I'm like holding this Emmy. Um, I'm like holding it like a baby. I'm like holding this. Emmy. And, uh, and I, and I saw my name on it. And I was like, wow, like, this is a real thing. This is so cool. Um, so that was kind of a nice, you know, bright light in, in 2020. Um, and then I also found out that, uh, on, on September 1st, 2020, is when I was going to start filming um, Days of Our Lives, and and so I filmed that in September, October, November, December, January, February, February, March. Uh, so I just finished last month filming for Days of Our Lives, and uh, and that was a pretty fun, pretty fun role, pretty fun contract. Um, yeah, it, and they they just killed me off. Uh, I think I think it's airing. I think you find out who killed me they're doing like this murder mystery kind of thing and you find out who killed my character I think in the next couple of weeks. Wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So you you've been uh, like working during this whole process then, right? With like uh, you know, filming and uh you, that that's never stopped.
1: Well, uh the entire industry was sort of frozen from March through August and then September was really uh like this, the days of our lives and a few other shows were really the very first shows to come back and start filming again so the industry as a whole pretty much all summer was frozen for everybody um which was really tough because you know a lot of my friends are actors and and or like musicians or you know and, and couldn't go perform and and so it was a tough time for a lot of people um also just people going crazy just being bored not having anything to do um being locked in their in their apartments in their homes uh that sort of thing but, um, but now obviously things are opening up again and, and uh, picking up where they left off. So um, <clears throat> funny story about days is I found out that I got the role. I auditioned for the role in January and February of 2020. I found out I got the role in February and I was supposed to start on March 13th. And then March 10th is when they announced all the shutdowns. So I actually spent all of quarantine Knowing that I had a job on Days of Our Lives, not knowing when it was going to start, and not being able to talk about it because my my parents are awful secret keepers. They like, to, they like to brag about everything, which is really nice most of the time. But for this, I was like, I can't tell you because if it gets out, they might not give me the job. They, they don't like that sort of – they don't like to spoil those surprises. So um, – So I couldn't tell anybody and I couldn't accept any other jobs because I had, I was under contract. So I was sort of just like in this weird limbo place uh, until September. (laughs) That's funny when you uh, mentioned by your parents, because typically
0: your parents are like your biggest fans. So then like, you're kind of like, don't tell them because you want to keep the secret, but you know. Yeah, no, they
1: are. And they are like, God love them. They are my biggest fans and they always support me in everything I do. They are just awful at keeping secrets. So uh <laughs> so I couldn't tell. Him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we
0: mentioned about the real world and um it's kind of incredible what you've been able to do. I mean, we've seen such as in your case, I mean, we've seen people such as, you know, Mike the Miz with what he does in WWE, Jamie Chung to name a few kind of piggyback yeah. off of their real world stints. I want to ask you now kind of because I feel like coming from or coming out of reality TV sometimes could have a little bit of a stigma to it. It could be seen as a double-edged sword. You could mm-hmm. either we have seen people become really successful in the entertainment industry from it, but then maybe in some cases when you're trying to apply for maybe like an everyday job, if they see maybe your time on TV, it could have a little bit of a digital footprint. What, how, what is your maybe uh, stance on your, is the real world kind of in reality TV, something that maybe are you happy with your time on the show or is it something like you kind of want to leave in the past? Where's like your stance on that?
1: It's interesting that you ask that. Um, I think that my answer, cause I did, the, I did the real world 10 years ago, like a decade ago. Um, <clears throat> and my answer has changed over the years. I think that when I first did the show, I was living in Colorado. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I, I had never seen the show before. I fo- I was going to school for business and and I had acted a little bit when I was younger. I had done like um, like a short film, and I I had done theater uh, in my like in my high school and stuff. Um, just because I knew that I loved acting, but in my mind there was not I didn't know any professional actors, so it was never even a possibility that I could make my living in entertainment. And I was going to school for business. And my best friend at the time, John Russell. Uh, he was in the business school with me and he comes up to me like in the library, I think it was. And he's like, Hey Mike, there's an open casting call for this reality show called real world. I said, what's real world. And he goes, don't worry about it. Just come to the show, like, come with me, help me get on the show, make me look good. And, um, and like, will you be my wingman basically? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I show up to the audition and like, end up, they end up casting me and He did visit while I was in Washington, D.C. So in a roundabout way, he did get on the show. Uh, but uh, but it was something that I never planned for. And I think it was one of those things where the universe was just like, here you go. Like, this is more your path than, you know, going. I think I think at the time I was working at like Enterprise Rent-A-Car uh, in their management program to like, I don't know. Because it was one of the the, like one of the, at my school it was like one of the best internships or whatever you can get. Anyway, so so I did that, <clears throat> and um, and immediately when the show started airing, <clears throat> I had agents and managers in Los Angeles reach out to me and say, "Hey, like, do you have any acting experience? We think you have a good look. Um, have you ever thought about Los Angeles?" And so I had this manager convince me to pack up my car and drive out to Los Angeles. I I knew like two one or two people when I moved here, didn't know anybody, said goodbye to my family. And it was probably one of the scariest things I had done at that point. Um, but I sort of, I just knew that that was a leap that I wanted to take. And so I moved out to LA and I um, started auditioning right away. I was very lucky because I had a manager that wanted to start pushing me. And um, <clears throat> in the beginning, real world and reality TV in general was something that casting directors and people in the, you know, scripted entertainment industry, film and television, it was something, there was sort of a stigma around reality TV. So in the beginning, I didn't talk about it at all. I didn't have it on my resume. I didn't bring it up in conversations. I didn't have it on social media. Like I was, I did not want to be Mike from the real world. And so I didn't talk about it. And then once I started booking, I did like a guest spot on Hawaii 5 and then major crimes. And then I was on this Disney show and then I did this Disney movie called cloud nine. And, and I like each project that I did got bigger and bigger and bigger. And once I had a handful of credits under my belt, then I was, I was less paranoid about people finding out about real world. Um, and then now it's, it's the opposite. Like now, you know, I'm really grateful for the show. I'm really grateful for my experiences there. I think that, um, it's now part of my, like, I love comic books and like every, every superhero or every character has like an origin story. Like now it's part of my origin story. Like it's part of, you know, what made me who I am and what brought me out to Los Angeles and what really gave me the confidence to, um, to try to pursue a career in entertainment. And, and now it's like something fun that I talk about and something that like, I'm really proud of.
0: No, absolutely. And, um, you know, I feel like with, a lot of stories that I've even been told by some cast members who have tried out, typically it almost seems like it's always the friend that's, you know, thrown the idea. And then like the one that goes with them is kind of like the wing person is the yeah. one that ultimately ends up getting on the show. How did you feel yeah. like uh, your audition process went with maybe, you know, some of the questions that they ask you at these open uh, casting calls? Because I feel like sometimes they tend to uh, gravitate towards the people who maybe, aren't really taking this process so seriously or don't take themselves too seriously.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that, um, I think that these producers know exactly what they're doing and every, like every year you have, I think it was something like 30,000 people apply to, to fill these eight spots. And so these, these producers know exactly what they're doing in terms of casting people that are not going to just be, carbon copies of other people that they, they've seen on the show. They want people that are genuinely going to be themselves. And so I think that because I had n- not seen the show before, and I really didn't know, like, I went in there and they asked me, okay, so who do you most see yourself like on the show? And I was like, I don't know. I don't watch your show. And immediately they're like, oh, cool. like So tell me more about yourself. And um, And I think that's definitely what they look for. Also, at that time in my life, I was going through some personal – stuff and i was like sort of figuring out stuff about myself that nobody none of my friends my family you know nobody had ever asked me some of the of the personal questions that this casting director was asking me so i'm sitting in a room with a stranger and with a camera on me and i didn't think it was going to go anywhere i genuinely did not think that i was going to be on the show so i was like okay this tape is going to be deleted in a month, when they realize that they don't want me on the show, like I can, I can say what I want. I can speak freely, and um, and that's what I did. And I ended up talking to this complete stranger about very personal subjects. And um, and by the end of the interview, he looks at me and he goes, "So wait, let me get this straight. You are a, a recently single Christian." Uh, like sexually confused, possibly bisexual, uh, jock from that that like did sports in high school. You you love you know entertainment and you know and he listed like off some other things and and keep in mind I'm sitting there with like my backwards Abercrombie hat and like whatever and and I, and I was like yes and he just looks at me and he goes we'll be in touch and you know and he just writes all his things down and that's honestly I feel like that's why I was on the show just because I was so gen like genuine and vulnerable to this stranger, because I didn't think it was gonna go anywhere,
0: no, yeah, these the people that are um you know asking the questions, like they're geniuses, like they'll get you, you know, like they could tell like when somebody has like a vulnerability, and I think like that's why they want them because they feel like they could exploit that for you know their show, which I mean is a brilliant <laughs> idea because the whole premise of the show is kind of bringing people from different walks of life to kind of face um,
1: problems and maybe face themselves, you know, in a way. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly it. They want people that are figuring out things about themselves and that will do that figuring out on camera with seven other strangers that they've never met in their lives in a place where they've never been like never lived before. And that's where that good TV comes from. So they know exactly what they're doing.
0: So where you were living in where prior to uh, going on to DC, uh,
1: Colorado. Oh, okay.
0: So how did you feel about um, coming to you know DC, obviously to fill season? Do you feel like um, that might have been an ideal location for you? Because I feel like with certain instances, I mean, I've had people tell stories about them trying out for the real world DC, but then being from like you know Maryland, and then feeling like eh, maybe in hindsight, I'm glad that I got casted for say a uh, St. Thomas type season because I feel like people. In closer locations, maybe their personalities may not come out as more. Say, if you take like a cold weather person and then throw yeah. them in the Virgin Islands, you know.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think that if I the season right before mine was Cancun. Yeah, and then I think right be, I think before that was something else, and before that was San Diego. I what, what?
0: I think it was Hollywood, Cancun, and then you guys. I okay. Believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I, I feel like if I had. Being a part of Cancun, uh, my season would have been very different. I think because I was in D.C., they and this was like right on the heels of like Obama being elected and like his hope campaign and young people really being involved with politics. So I feel like the producers needed somebody that they that was interested and involved and engaged in politics. And I was one of the only ones in the house that got a a political job once we got there because everybody's supposed to get like a job or an internship or something. And I think uh, I think Josh and Erica were into music. Um, Callie was into to something else. Uh, Andrew just like Drooby, Panda. He mm-hmm. uh, was just in his own little world. Like he wasn't really going to get a job. Um, I think he like started drawing towards the end of the season. Uh, Ty, I think he might have gotten like a business something at some point. Um, but Emily and I, I think we're the only ones that really did something political. And so they made that my storyline and they encouraged me. They're like, all right, cool. What are you doing at work today? What are you, are you going to, like, I was lobbying for the human rights campaign. I was lobbying for energy action coalition and like green energy and and all that stuff. And so they, like my storyline and really what what I became passionate about was like politics and activism. Whereas if I was in Cancun, I mean, let's be real. I would have been just like getting drunk under a palm tree the whole time and um which would have been fun but that would have, that, that definitely would have uh <laughs> that would not have given me a platform for like to go and speak at colleges about like activism and you know equality and stuff like that like it really sort of set me apart from some of the other i think real world cast members that just go on there and get in fights and get drunk
0: So that human rights campaign, uh, you know, job that you had on the show, was that something that um, you uh, got on your own? Because I felt like um, doesn't like production kind of uh, set jobs for some of the casts, certain seasons. Like I know like they might have the whole cast that would like work at like a pizza shop or something like that. Was that something that uh, you got on your own?
1: So yeah. So sometimes I think they'll set up jobs just so the cast have to work together Um, with my season they encouraged us to get our own jobs because it was in DC. There's so much available. There's so much for young people to do. And so I feel like they, they wanted to see where we sort of gravitated. And they did help set me up with a job with Energy Action Coalition. So it was like a go green kind of thing. And then randomly, um, I was, and this is like one of those things where like, I think the universe was just like, Mike, this is where you need to be right now. Because I'm, I'm walking down Connecticut Street. I'm walking uh, back to the house, and I saw, and at that point, and still, I was, I'm was, i religious, and I saw a, a t-shirt that said, Amen, like A-M-E-N, and then it had like little tiny baby letters uh, making up the word, and I was like, oh, that's a cool t-shirt, and I walk inside, and it's pretty ironic that like a religious t-shirt is what brought me into lobbying for an LGBT Equal rights organization, because then I, I see that T-shirt and I walk inside and I, you know, they were like, Hey, do you know about HRC? It was an HRC store. They're like, do you know about HRC? Do you know about, cause like they have the store that, that just sells things and raises money. And then they have like the headquarters for the, the, the national organization, both in DC. So I walk in and, and they're like, do you know anything about HRC? And I said, no. And I told them a little bit about myself and the, and the manager kind of knew what he was doing. He was like, here's my card let me know like if you if you're interested in being involved because of course i had cameras with me too and then that night i went home and and did some research on hrc and the next morning i told the producers i was like hey like i want to reach out to them and get involved with if i can and it ended up being like a really really uh impactful experience on my overall journey there um because like every single week i was going and working with hrc and meeting with constituents to to teach them how to to train them they trained me and then i would train constituents to lobby their their members of congress their senators or whatever and then you had the cameras following me to go and meet with members of congress in dc to talk about like civil rights and the producers were like hell yeah like this like what what more can cuz it, it was dc it was the season of like political activism and this and that. And so they loved the fact that I got that. And I ended up now, I ended up working less at the equal, like the energy action coalition job and much more at HRC because that was more in line with like my storyline and what I wanted to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that kind of seemed like the vibe of DC a little bit, it kind of felt like a return to, uh, real world's old roots a little bit and i think like some of my subscribers wanted me to ask you that as well kind of if you felt like dc was sort of like a you know return to its roots a little bit because dc kind of was like a season where i mean you had some uh conflicts obviously amongst you know roommates at times Mm -hmm. but it kind of felt like nothing too you know crazy happened like there were no like um you know pregnancy scares or any like crazy fights or anything like that do you feel like uh
1: dc was kind of a return to its roots a little bit i think that the producer i mean listen we had some fights like we we fought in the house we emily and ty would fight all the time there was this time where where ty was screaming and emily and i became really good friends ty ty was screaming at emily and i was in the shower and the shower and the bathroom area is connected to like the main kitchen area and i'm like naked in the shower and i hear them screaming at each other And then I hear like a bang and I was like, oh no, like he did not just push her. And so I'm, I get out of the shower, I'm wrapped in a towel and I go up and I start screaming at Ty and in in my, like half of my brain was like, this is messed up, like yell at him. And the other half of my brain is like, Mike, don't be the one that fights naked on national TV (laughs) because I had a towel. And and it, it didn't lead to anything. We didn't actually get in a fight, but. like shit like that did happen, you know, and, and we did have our drama. We did have, you know, like Ashley and I made out. And then a couple days later I like came out on the show and she was pissed and like, you know, we did have our drama um, with, with stuff that happened on the show. But uh, I will say that I think at that time MTV was sort of trying to figure out what kind of network it wanted to be with reality TV because they made our season, like you're saying, a bit more like social activist. Let's get to know the personality of these people. Let's really do the social experiment that real world was created to be. And then also Jersey Shore came out that year. And they they were like, okay, okay, we're gonna release Jersey Shore. And Jersey Shore is, is all about, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. And let's like see what people respond to. And uh, I think it's no coincidence that Jersey Shore did so well and then had another season. And now, you know, they have they have like Teen Mom and all these other shows. I think people want people people want to feel better about their lives by seeing like train wrecks on TV, I guess. But um, I don't know. I, I think I, I liked our season. I'm really proud of our season. Um, and I think that it was because it was in D.C. That's what the producers wanted to do. Um, and, and again, like if, if I had been in Vegas, if I had been in Cancun, if I had been in Miami, if I had been in a bunch of these other places, I think that me personally, um, my, my experience would have been completely different. And I also wouldn't have had that like connection to politics that I got, um, because of HRC. Bro, I'm
0: glad you brought up Jersey Shore because, um, (laughs) you know, what are the odds at like the time that your real world comes out that like kind of like, I'd say more or less Jersey Shore was kind of like a gamble. Like there's no guarantee that it's going to be perceived the way it did. And, you know, being from the the area like where they were staying, I mean, it's usually like the vacation spot for, uh, you know, Jersey. So to have them kind of like almost have like a meteoric, uh, you know, type of rise like out of, like poof at the time of your uh, real world was a little bit of bad luck. I may, maybe on uh, for you guys having your season air at the same time as like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the ratings were. I don't know what happened. Um, But yeah, it was like if if between my season of real world and between Jersey shore, if somebody wanted that sex drugs and rock and roll, like there was no comparison. Uh, So, I mean, we could have done all of the damage we, we could have done in, in Washington, D.C., and it, it's not even going to compare to like what they did on Jersey Shore. And a lot of my friends that are from Jersey, like you, they were they were like, they would, I would like text them about like Jersey Shore. And they're like, Mike, that is not Jersey. Don't watch it. It's like, it's trash. Like, like it's giving us a bad name. Like, don't watch it. But I think, I feel like every area has that. Every area has their, their party circuit, their like whatever it is. So I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they were so successful. Um, I'm I'm really glad that I was on real world and not Jersey Shore because my life would be completely different right now. <laughs>
0: no, but uh, staying, I wanted to stay on the topic of the whole, um, you know, Ty and Emily, you know, situation because people wanted to know, like, what that relationship between them was like in the house. Like, was it really uh, as volatile as what we might have seen? But they also wanted to know too, so I guess you could say a loaded question here, kind of what yeah. your personal dynamic like was with Ty because we saw Ty kind of, uh, you know, he had his clashes with uh, some of your roommates. You seemed like kind of the voice of reason in the house. So, if you will, maybe touch upon the Emily uh, Ty situation a little more, what it was really like, and then maybe talk to me a little bit about your personal, you know, dynamic with Ty. Maybe you know how you guys were on like a one-on-one basis. Maybe what we couldn't see.
1: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. If, like, I think that Ty and Emily, the dynamic between them was just as volatile as they showed on TV, if not more. They would fight all the time. Uh, but but that only lasted, I think we filmed for like three months, three and a half months or something like that. Um, I think that like that whole dynamic only lasted for a month. And that storyline lasted for a couple episodes. And then Emily was basically like, I'm over it. Like, sh- like, like F you, like I'm going to find somebody else or whatever. And Emily also, I mean, she was like, hooking up with like girls and guys. And so that was something that she was exploring for herself. And that's why Emily and I, we actually call each other twin uh, because we, she and I were going through very similar situations, but like we're two different people, but like our, our situations mirrored each other's very closely. And, um, and I think that's why after, our season of real world she came to visit me in Colorado and then she she ended up liking it so much that she moved to Colorado and she lives in Colorado now and she's dating somebody that my dad uh, used to work with in Colorado and like wow. it's like this whole thing so Emily and I became very good friends I think she's an amazing amazing person um, I think that her the relationship with her and Ty was yeah it was just as volatile as you saw if not more um, they would they would crunch like a whole month into two episodes. Um, I think that in the beginning it was weird because like Ty and I we would go to the gym together we would work out, we were buddies and if I'm being honest, I think that when I started bringing guys to the house and when I started sort of exploring that side of myself, I think that Ty didn't know how to be my buddy and I think that like, You know, I would invite him to the gym and he'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of busy. Like, I think that he just didn't know what to do with me. Um, And also, you know, as soon as he started being an asshole to Emily and to some of the other people in the house, I didn't want to hang out with him. So it was kind of like in the like for the first half of the season, we were buddies for the second half of the season. We avoided each other. As sad as that is, because you're living with somebody. But like, I'm not I'm only going to try so hard with somebody that doesn't give me the time of day.
0: So you feel like uh, you're coming out is what shifted his dynamic with you a little bit, or do you feel like it was a combination of a lot of variables, maybe, you know, his dynamics with other people in the house, potentially weighing on his head a little bit. And then maybe in his mind, he thinks that you're already had made your mind up and had sided with the other roommates. Is that maybe I, mean, I think, think? It was a com-
1: uh, all of these things? I think that um, I sided with the roommates when he was being an asshole. Uh, I think that I sort of, gave up the the part of me that was only like oh let's like talk about sports and go to the gym and and this and that to to explore other parts of myself that i had never had the chance to explore before and so we just had like less and less in common and um and then i also like i don't want to accuse him of being you know homophobic or anything but i i he he certainly didn't try to uh to find common ground with me in that aspect whatsoever he had no interest in in uh in sort of like asking me how my dating life was
0: (laughs) yeah um since i was gonna you know piggyback off it kind of and take it back a ways what were you out already like with your family already before real world or how did that whole process for you go down if you don't
1: mind sharing yeah yeah no uh well it's all on national tv so i hope i don't mind Um, so I had told my parents, um, and, and they knew that I was figuring stuff out and their response was both like, Hey, Mike, don't say anything. Like, don't say anything on the show. Um, like maybe just take the time to figure this, like figure it out, but like, don't be out about it. And, um, and, and they both like, they, they've never been negative towards me. Um, but it definitely wasn't positive. It definitely wasn't a positive reaction. It was sort of just like, uh, we don't know what to do with you. And and during the season, one of the special storylines of my season for me was once both of my parents visited me in Washington, D.C. and sort of saw what I was doing with the human rights campaign, saw what I was doing, like how much more confident I was and comfortable I was and how much more of myself that I was sharing with them Um, they both said, Mike, we're so proud of you and we, we wish that we had not told you to hide yourself because clearly, you know, it was, it was weighing on you heavily and clearly, um, you're such, you're, you're a much better person when you're open and honest and confident and doing all these things. Uh, we're sorry that we told you to, to hide yourself. And to not be true to yourself and and hearing them both say that at different times during the season was really what gave me the confidence to embrace being like an activist and being and really um and also just really being closer to my family i felt like for my whole childhood i was always very close with my family and then for the last couple years before the show it was like this This weight was on my shoulders. And I feel like I had to watch everything I said and think about everything I said and did because I didn't want anybody to know. And I was so paranoid. And it's like, you can't be your, your full authentic self and you can't live up to your full potential if you're only showing the world 80% of who you are or 70% of who you are or whatever it is. And so once they realized that, and once I realized that, um, like I became a much more confident, driven, passionate person, and uh, and I think that I really owe that to the real world. I, th- I think I owe that to the show and to my experience on the show, and also to having a camera in my face for three and a half months, and and not being able to lie about anything or like hide anything. Like it was either you're not going to hook up for, or you're only going to hook up with girls, uh, and you're going to have to lie about everything, or you you better get used to like being honest and. know sharing yourself with these seven other strangers uh because who gives a shit like they're they're either going to judge you or they're not and there's one way to find out
0: no definitely and i mean that's certainly not an easy thing to do coming out on national television how how maybe nervous or was that a hard thing for you to do like obviously it had to have been somewhat of difficulty but like how maybe hard was it for you you know yeah it was
1: i was terrified i was terrified And well, and at that point too, I'm sort of ashamed to say that once I, when I started filming for the first week in the house, um, I, you know, I would lay in bed at night and I would think to myself, maybe I should just keep everything a secret. It's very easy for me to just come off as like that bro that, uh, you know, wants to party and hook up with girls. Um, like it's very easy for me to, to just have that and only show, you know, my friends and the world that half of myself. Um, maybe I should just do that. Maybe I should just live in that space. And that could be my journey on the show. And I remember laying there at night and, and I was thinking like, I was like, no, I was like, if I do this and have this experience and do not, and I and I, I am not bold enough to live as my authentic self And to really explore this part of myself, then I will be ashamed of that for the rest of my life. I will never be able to go to any, you know, you know, somebody like any gay kid or any bi kid or any LGBT person in Ohio or Michigan or, you know, New Jersey or Florida or Texas or, you know, wherever and, and look at them and say, oh, yeah, you should be like, be proud of yourself, be proud of who you are. Do this. If I had been a hypocrite and never done that for myself, I would never be able to look somebody else in the eye and in- encourage them to be honest about themselves. And so I sort of made a decision. I was like, this is who I want to be. This is who I want to be. And it's terrifying. But the first step is being honest in front of these seven strangers yes it happens to be on national tv but you know what we won't worry about that right now and so and so i remember it was like we were at Buca de beppo and we were having this big the whole cast everybody in the cast we were having this big italian dinner and we're all sitting around the table and we were playing the numbers game like who how many people have you slept with and so we're going we're going around the table you know because how do how like tw- like early 20 somethings get to know each other they play the numbers game so we're going around the table and, and everybody was like, oh, you know, 10 and three and this and that and this and like doing all the numbers. And it comes to me and and I'm like under like up top, I was trying to feel really I was like trying to look really calm and I was like taking deep breaths. But under the table, I was like clenching my fists and I was like shaking. And I was like so nervous. I'm like white knuckles and everything. And so I'm sitting there and I was the. it came around me like it came around the table to me and i'm sitting there and i'm like white knuckling it under the table and i said something like i was like yeah like 25 girls and then the conversation was about to move on and i was like and three guys and everybody was just like what and i go yeah three guys and they were like wait a second what and th- and like and then that started this conversation between all of us of like and, th- and they called me mikey they were like mikey like what what do you mean like what are you and, and I was like, well, I don't know, but like, I like girls and I like guys and I'm figuring it out. And, uh, and that was the beginning of like jumping on that water slide and riding it straight into hell. No, just kidding. Like, riding <laughs> it, <laughs> no, like just like being like having that, that journey and figuring myself out, uh, in front of, you know, the world and in front of these seven other people.
0: No, I mean, as much as, you know, it might be cliche to hear, but you did serve as like a beacon of light for a lot of people. Like I know, uh, you know, from some, some subscribers who actually commented when I said you're going to be joining me on the show this week, they actually, uh, dropped some of their stories as well about how at the time of, uh, your real world, when they're watching you on TV, like they were facing similar things and to see you kind of come out and be, you know, strong with how you were feeling, it provided them with some hope for the future and then society in general. So, I mean, you know, kudos to you for having the, uh, you know, courage to come out and be as you know optimistic with what you're, you are, as you, what you did. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you for saying that and thank everybody watching and all of your subscribers. I think that um, I think that now it's easy for me to be like, Oh yeah, it was, it was easy. It was fine. But I, but I get it. Like I get how terrifying that is. I get all of the things. I understand the things that run through your head, when you're about to have that conversation with somebody, you know everybody thinks, "Oh, you're di- you're different. Uh, you're going to wake up the next morning and you're going to be different, and you're going to you know dress a different way and walk a different way and, and whatever else." And and for some people, they do, and that's fine, and that's their journey, and that's great. I, but I think that you know, and end of story, period. That's great. Be who you want to be. I think for me, at that point in my life, I didn't have any role models, and there weren't very many role models uh, for people for men that are not just straight. And I say not just straight because in my mind, it's a spectrum. It's like, you know, there are the Kin- Kinsey scale, like people, the Kinsey did the study and it's like 10% of people are completely gay. 10% of people are completely straight. Everybody else is somewhere in the middle. For me, it's like, and it's influenced by your your environment, your upbringing, your experiences, everything else. Like to me, sexuality is a spectrum. And, and I hate even saying bye because it's like, People, you know, in society, they always want to put you in a box and label you. And and that raises a bunch of other questions. They're like, oh, well, who, what about this? What about this? And I'm like, like, shut up. Like, I like who I like. Just go mind your own business. So but but for me at that point, and I think, you know, 10 years ago, keep in mind, like this was before Glee. This is before Modern Family. This is before so many other shows that have now pushed the envelope and shown us that you you know it showed us different aspects of the the lgbt community and that have sort of like broken down stereotypes and broken down those walls back then we didn't have that and so i think the reason that people responded to my story is because yes i was a guy that went to church that liked sports that liked working out that 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 could get along with like guys but then also what had a, had a sensitive side and and wanted to explore that and really like be vulnerable and really, you know, like, and, and it wasn't at that point, it was almost like you had to be one or the other. You had to pick a side and stick to that side because anything in the middle confused people. Um, nowadays, I think that th- things are different, but I feel like honestly, that's there. I, I received like thousands and thousands of thousands of messages and letters and things from people exactly like what you were describing like with some of your subscribers being like finally like finally there's somebody on TV that's you know a part of the LGBT community that I don't see on on the news channel of like an 80-year-old man in a speedo and a, a feather boa like good for him live his life do your thing but if that's all that you see and that's all this, that the news is covering about the LGBT community and pride parades and everything else, then of course you're gonna be sitting home being like, well, I don't know what I am, but I, I know I'm not that. Like, I, I, I can't relate to that. Like, I don't have anything in common with that. So what the hell am I? And and I feel like nowadays what what shows like Glee and Modern Family and others have been able to do is like, be like, look, you can, you can have two dads that have a kid and they're they're struggling and also, you know, providing love the same as any other parent. And and like you have these other you know, you have like people in Glee and it's like, look, they're in high school. I mean, obviously, they're all in like their 30s, but they're in high school, like figuring out what they are. And and in this space, they have the freedom to do that. Like, let them do it. Who cares? At the end of the day, who cares? And and I think now society is much more open and accepting um, which is, which is fantastic.
0: Absolutely. And, um, just to throw in one more real world question before we can kind of transition into, uh, some other questions. I want to hear your perspective now on kind of, uh, the whole situation between Ty and Andrew with the whole balcony. debacle. Oh my
1: God. Okay. I was, I was wondering if this was going to come up, you know, <laughs> honestly, like that was, that was one of the scariest experiences we had in DC because, Ty, at that point, had already taken things too far in a few of the situations we had. We would we would all be, like, you know, drinking or hanging out or doing whatever, and Ty would just take it a little too far. He would whatever. And, and up until that point, we're like, dude, like, chill out, like, calm down. And we're hanging out one day, and we're all, like, on the balcony, and he, he goes to – and I, I genuinely think it was an accident. Um, I don't think he did it on purpose, but it was also – again, Ty taking it too far. He goes to pretend to to drop Andrew off the balcony and then Andrew slipped and fell into a planter. So he fell into this big planter with like a plant full of soil and he fell and his head fell in the soil. If that planter, if that planter hadn't been there, like, oh, my dog's barking. If that planter hadn't been there, like Andrew would have split his head open and, and it was really, and, and, and like for anybody that watched our season, they know that like Drew B., Andrew was easygoing and really like, he was like, Hey guys, don't rock the boat. Like everything's fine. But <laughs> I think like once he sobered up and he realized, Oh shit, I almost split my head open. Like we need to talk about this. Like we need to figure this out. Uh, after that, we, I think we did this thing where we like voted if ty should stay or leave um the house which doesn't really happen on
0: real world that happened on the challenge with on ty's first season too i believe as well well yeah uh, the, you
1: know, the, the challenge though people vote and people leave and that's part of the show that's part of the the structure of the show but i feel like on real world like you're supposed to be friends for however long you live there like you're yeah, not yeah. Supposed to people out and uh yeah, and and I, I and I and I understand why they brought Emily and Ty back for the challenge, um, just to like ignite some of that again. Yeah,
0: but um, I think that's the question on uh, a lot of people's minds now. Watching this is why maybe because you fall under there's certain tiers. Obviously, there's the tiers of people that do challenges, and then maybe there's the one hit wonder tier of like really good competitors, but they only do one show. But then there's the what if tier of real worlders who many people think like, oh, they'd be a great fit. They're a shoe in for the challenge. And I think that yeah. most people, you're one of the people that falls under that category. So now I'm gonna ask you, maybe were you contacted for the challenge or did you have any close calls with wanting to do them and maybe why didn't it ultimately end up happening?
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I first moved to LA, I started auditioning right away and I I got lucky. I did some TV guest spots. Um I, I got an agent like a A better agent um i did you know i was was trying to make it as an actor and then mtv um contacted me i think it was like my first year in los angeles they contacted me to do the challenge and uh and i called my agent and i was like hey like mtv just called me to do the challenge and i was excited i was like it it looks like a lot of fun i'm really competitive i really want to do it uh what do you it would be good exposure like what do you think and he goes, Mike, if you do a challenge, you will forever be labeled as a reality TV person. He was like, people can do, you know, Jamie Chung, people can do a show or a season or or something like that. But if you continue to be the wow. Johnny Bananas, and if you continue to try to like make that your career, you will forever be viewed as a reality TV person. So, uh, So he was like, If you do that, uh, then I'm, I'm just, I don't want to work with you as an actor. And I said, well, okay, that settles that. Like I'm not doing a challenge. So, uh, it would have been fun. And I, and, and even, even now, like I might, if they did like a celebrity challenge kind of thing or like a something else where it was me with other people in entertainment with other actors, maybe I would do it because I, you know, I'm I'm really competitive and I love that stuff, but, uh, doing it right after my season. Yeah. it probably wasn't a good idea.
0: <laughs> well, you never know because I mean, I'm not sure how much you know about this. Um, well, they've actually done like past seasons, like spinoffs of the show, called Champs versus Stars, like people who have won the challenge, against, like you know certain like actors, maybe musicians and whatnot. But they've also, I mean, I don't know how you're aware of now. Road rules in real world is pretty much extinct, so now they're pulling from like all these different people, like the last season of the show. They just the one that's airing now. They just pulled an America's Got Talent singer, a WWE wrestler. Um, So they've gotten pretty uh, (laughs) over the top with uh, how their casting criteria is now for the
1: show. Interesting. Okay. So you're (laughs) saying you're saying they might call me up and uh, we might be having another conversation about this. I'm I'm saying there's a chance.
0: How, so how you would say was it one time you were called to do the show or is it multiple times? How did that work? Um,
1: I think it was the one time. Maybe it was. Maybe it was two. Maybe it was one or two. I can't remember. Uh, they they definitely called me up and tried to make it happen the first time, and then the second time it was kind of like uh, it might have been like one of the guy like emailing like, hey Mike, are you still you still have no interest in this? And I was like, yeah, n- not not my thing, sorry.
0: Right, because there was actually. There was a season, I think it was in 2012, called Battle of the Seasons, where it was like, you know, two guys and two girls from a real world season. So I think there was initially supposed to be a team DC with consisting of Ty and Emily, and I think Josh and Callie, but then Callie had to pull out because she got pregnant, I believe. So then that's why there was no DC team. But Emily and Ty, you know, were the only two to have uh, pretty sustained uh, 10 years on the show. Like Emily's regarded as like one of the arguably top three greatest females to ever compete on the show. And, uh, they actually competed on a battle of the exes season together. They got third place. Yeah. yeah. Hey, one
1: second. Let me, let me, uh, grab my dog real quick. Yeah, no problem. Actually, well, uh, you know, it's fine. He's going to keep, he's going to keep,
0: but yeah, they, they did pretty well actually together as a exes pair. And, uh, they they were on for uh you know a number of seasons. But aside from that, there was not a lot of DC presence on the show. I thought Ashley would have been a good addition.
1: You seem Yeah, like- Ashley, I would have liked to see Ashley fall off some ropes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you think yeah, you would have been what'd you say? You think
0: you would have been good for the show? You seem like you're uh, pretty athletic.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely would have done the show. I love all that stuff. I mean Emily's Emily's amazing and she did CrossFit after that. She like opened a CrossFit gym and She's amazing and I think that I would have done the same thing Emily did she trained really hard she prepared for it and I think that I would have taken it really seriously and tried to like really uh, embrace that you know th- that competitive aspect um I would have yeah I would have definitely tried to really really make it work and really win I would have been I, I wouldn't have gone just to just to go I would have gone to to win and be competitive like like um, <laughs> So if hypothetically you get a
0: phone call tomorrow, and is there going to be uh, any type of arrangements going to be tried to make or is there not going to be? I don't know. Money? I
1: mean, I think it depends on who, who, would, who would be on the show with me. If it's a bunch of, you know, actors and people, you know, if Jamie Chung wants to come back and do it, then like, let's do it, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I don't know, to be honest.
0: <laughs> so do you have uh, any upcoming plans or projects for the rest of this year that you'd like to uh, talk about or promote?
1: Yeah, so I, I have a, a movie on, that's that um, is online and DVD uh, VOD right now. It's um, called Son of the South. It's executive produced by Spike Lee, and um, and it's like a story about the civil rights movement in the in the South in the '60s. So um, so that's something I'm really proud of, and that's available right now. Um, also, uh, my episodes of Days of Our Lives are still airing, um, and then I have a film coming out in the fall. I think I think unless they push it, called Slapface. Um, it's a film that I produced as well as acted in, and um, and that one is like this cool thriller horror monster movie kind of thing. So uh, that's one I'm really excited about.
0: Wow. So, what are you allowed to talk about? Like, what your uh, role in that is going to be, or you can't reveal? Yeah, that?
1: I play I play Tom. Uh, it's it's like this like older brother that's uh, he sort of has a drinking problem. He do, he works construction. He's sort of a deadbeat um, and their parents passed away. So he's trying to take care of his 12 year old brother and he's not doing a great job. And then the movie, the story is about uh, the little brother making friends with like this giant, witch monster creature that lives in the woods. And, uh, and then that causes all sorts of problems. So uh, that's, that's my character. And it was something different that, that I got to play, which is also why I wanted to produce it and help make it happen. And, uh, and I'm really proud of it. It'll it'll come out this fall, like around Halloween, I'm thinking, um, which is like a good time for horror films. And uh, I hope everybody, everybody checks it out. So
0: how does that go hand in hand now, being like uh, obviously an actor and then a producer? Like what are maybe some, uh, you know, how do they tie together?
1: I, I think that, you know, so many actors are just sitting around the phone waiting for a phone call um, and waiting for a job. And I think for me, it was important for me to – sort of create my own work and have some type of control over the stories that I was gonna be a part of. Um, also because of Real World DC, I I sort of fell in love with politics and with social activism. So um, a lot of the first films that I pr- started producing were films about political issues. Uh, one of the last films, I think it's right behind me, right there, the poster. Um, yeah. It's called Lost in America, and it's a documentary about homeless kids. And I, I produced it with the director, Rotimi Rainwater. And in the film, we have Halle Berry and Rosario Dawson Rosario Dawson and Tiffany Haddish and Jewel and John Bon Jovi and all these other people talking about homeless youth and why we need to help them. So it's like it's a legit movie. It's about something that's really important. And it was something that, like, when it came out, I was really proud of it. Um, and that's also available online right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll link uh, all we just talked about in the uh, description once this is up but uh, quick before we uh, close this out I got to ask you any relation to the Manning family the NFL or is that kind of... Uh,
1: I wish I, every time so I, I grew up in Colorado and so when he when Peyton transferred over to the Broncos from the Colts, every time I would be in the airport like I would be boarding a flight I would show like the airport security and my ID. And they'd be like, Manning, huh? Like any relation to Peyton? And I was like, I don't know. Does it get me a better seat on the flight? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm no relation, no relation to them, unfortunately. I'm not like I'm not like the fourth brother that nobody talks about.
0: <laughs> so, would you happen to be a Bronco fan then, being from uh, Colorado?
1: Am, I'm absolutely a Bronco fan. Yeah. All
0: right. So then I owe you somewhat of thanks then, because I don't know if you can see the flag behind me. I'm a Seahawk fan. Oh, yeah, now I see it
1: a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so,
0: a little bit. We, yeah, uh, were uh, off
1: in that Super Bowl a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was watching that in an airport and I was so embarrassed. I was so angry. I was like, what is going on?
0: I mean, as crazy as it sounds in the lead up to it, I was kind of sweating bullets at the thought of playing you guys. But then the following year, for some reason, I don't know if it's because we were coming off, uh, you know, beating you guys. I felt overly confident against, you know, the Patriots the following year. And yeah. so we know how that unfolded. And uh, I learned you from that. Never, point.
1: Be, never, yeah, you? never bet against Tom Brady. No. Oh yeah. no, that's it. Like never bet against Tom Brady. Never bet against the Patriots. Uh, well, now the Bucks. But it's yeah. like, it's like that just shows you like he's he's a machine, and um and and he's not somebody that you can like you, you right when you think he's past his prime, he shows you he's not past his prime, which is which is great. But <laughs> yeah, so, I,
0: would, right. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't Shock to see if they, uh, you know, win again back to back. They got all two, all, all twenty two starters from the Super Bowl team coming back next year. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that I could see them uh, raising the trophy again in a year's time. Ugh. Which I,
1: don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll I'll pick some of them up on my fantasy team. Yeah. I'll I'll be fine. But <laughs> but it's also annoying sometimes. It's like he has his beautiful wife. He has his great kids. Like. Retire already.
0: Come on. I know. Right? Give some other people a chance around yeah.
1: here. Yeah.
0: But uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me today. I hope that you had a fun chat. I had a lot of fun talking to you, man. Uh, picking your brain a little bit on some uh, real world and uh, acting topics. And, um, you know, maybe it was fun for you to go down memory lane a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Mike, this was this was a lot of fun. And you asked me some questions that I haven't been asked in a, in a while, in a long time. Um, so clearly, like you and your viewers uh, they they watched the show and they they had these questions. so that was that was really cool it, it was a it was a walk down memory lane. Um, and also it's always fun to talk about like current projects. so thanks for having me. Absolutely,
0: man. Well, uh, take care and uh, good luck to you the rest of this year and uh stay safe.
1: All right, you too. thanks.